Let me ask you to turn to two passages of Scripture, Nehemiah 13 and Isaiah 58. We'll begin in Nehemiah 13. We'll go through lots of Scripture in the message, and all the Scriptures will be on the screen, so you can see them there as well. And then toward the end of the message, we'll get to Isaiah 58. We're in a series entitled The Blueprint, God's Master Plan for Your Life. And we have one more message in this series after this week. And today's message is entitled, Rest is Part of His Plan. Is that good news? (laughs) God designed so that we could rest as part of His plan for our lives. So that's what we want to talk about today and how important that is for us. Nehemiah 13. Remember Nehemiah 13 is the last chapter of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah is re-implementing some principles into the people of God that they had gotten away from. Last week we talked about the principle of tithing and blessing. This week it's the principle of the Sabbath and rest. So Nehemiah 13, verse 15. In those days I saw people in Judah treading wine presses on the Sabbath, and bringing in sheaves, and loading donkeys with wine, grapes, figs, and all kinds of burdens, which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I warned them about the day on which they were selling provisions. Men of Tyre dwelt there also, who brought in fish and all kinds of goods, and sold them on the Sabbath to the children of Judah and in Jerusalem. Then I contended with the nobles of Judah, and said to them, What evil thing is this that you do, by which you profane the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers do thus, and did not our fathers bring all this disaster on us, And on this city. Yet you bring added wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. Now, is it possible as New Testament believers to profane the Sabbath? And does the Sabbath, the principle of honoring God one day a week and resting one day a week, does that principle mean anything to us as believers? Well, I think it does. And I think it's extremely important that we understand this principle and that we understand that it's possible for us to literally profane the Sabbath. Now, before I go into the three points that I want to share with you, last week we asked the question, why did God create tithing? Why did God invent the concept or the principle of tithing? And the answer was because He's a good Father, because He loves to reward His children and to build character in His children. Well, we could ask the same question and have the same answer when we talk about the Sabbath. Why did God implement the principle of the Sabbath? Because He's a good Father. Because He doesn't want us to be tired and fatigued all the time and stressed and worried. He wants us to be able to rest and enjoy our life on this earth and enjoy Him and enjoy our family. But let me show you some principles about the Sabbath that maybe you didn't know, alright? Number one, rest is a command. Rest is a command. As a matter of fact, it made the top ten list. Now, we'll get to Isaiah in a minute, but let me just show you in Exodus 20, this is the fourth commandment of the top ten, alright? Exodus 20, verse 8, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy or set apart. Six days you shall labor and do most of your work. Excuse me? Is that not what it says? What's it say? All your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do a little work. Excuse me? No work. Nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, 
Now, cattle don't work much anymore, but they used to work back then. Nor your stranger who is within your gates. For, this is extremely important, when you see the little word for, you could substitute the word because. For, in other words, now he's going to tell us why it's important. For, in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it, or set it apart, made it a holy day, memorialized it. Now let's talk about this for a moment, alright? We said, why did God implement tithing last week? And we said it's because He wants to bless us. But He also had another reason that He implemented tithing, and that was to be a witness. That we would be a different people than all peoples on the earth, that when everyone is worried and stressed out about finances, we would not be because we understand that God's our provider. In the same way, listen to me carefully, God implemented the Sabbath because He's a good Father and to bless us, but in the same way, it is a witness to the whole world. Here's what He says, the reason I want you to do this is because I created the world in six days, and on the seventh day I rested. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to declare every week, one day a week, that you believe that there is a God. You don't believe we came from monkeys. You don't believe in evolution. But you believe that God created the world in six days and rested on the seventh. The Sabbath is a witness to the whole world that we believe in creation. That we believe in God and the rest of the world. Think about all the pagans. All the pagans would be saying to the Jewish people, what do you do? Why do you do this? All the pagans, by the way, had annual feasts. God gave His people a weekly feast. It's called the Sabbath. Maybe you've never thought of it that way. It's a day to gather with your family, to relax, to rest, to refresh, to have a weekly celebration celebrating that we are the people of God and that our God created the world in six days and rested on the seventh. And so God did this so that people around, Jewish people around Israel, the nation of Israel, would say to them, why do you do this? Why don't you work seven days a week like everyone else? Why do you rest one day a week? And they would be able to tell the story of creation, of how we came here and why we're here and God's love for us. Maybe you've never thought about it this way, but I want you to understand something. If you don't honor the Sabbath, you are declaring, in a sense, that you don't believe in the six-day creation. That there's no reason to honor this one day a week that God set aside and said, Honor this day. Make this day holy. Let it be a memorial to creation. Now, something else that we need to think about is, again, this is a commandment. These are not the Ten Suggestions. These are the Ten Commandments. And what is amazing to me is that as New Testament believers, we think we ought to follow nine of them. Or, let's say it another way, we think they have no bearing on our lives today. Matter of fact, you know, since we're saved by grace, I guess it would be okay to have other gods before Him. It would be okay to have idols. Be okay to take His name in vain. Be okay to murder, lie, and steal, and commit adultery, and covet. It'd be okay to do all that. Because, you know, since we're saved by grace, there are no benefits if you follow these, and there are no consequences if you don't. What's not true? There are benefits to keeping the Ten Commandments. And there are consequences if you don't. But again, for some reason, as believers, you, you would believe, no, we shouldn't murder people. We shouldn't lie. We shouldn't commit adultery. 
But for some reason, we leave this one out. It's like this is Old Testament. We don't need to do this one. Think about this. Let me just go through them real quickly. We believe we ought to keep God first. Do you believe that? You ought to have God first. No other gods before. Everyone believe that? That's great. Eight. Okay. Um, Maybe more of you will believe the rest of them. I don't know. Why? The next thing is we believe that we should not have idols. Everyone believe that? We should not take God's name in vain. Do you believe that? That's still for today. Even as believers, right? Okay, we're going to skip the fourth one for a minute. You should honor your mother and your father. You should not lie. You should not steal. You should not murder. You should not commit adultery. And you should not covet. Everyone agree with those? Then why do we not need to do the fourth one? Why is it that as a believer, I just need to do nine of the ten? Ninety percent, that's pretty good. This is a command of God. By the way, there are three types of law in the Old Testament. Many people don't know this. There's the moral law of God. There's the judicial law and the ceremonial law. The moral law, the judicial law, and the ceremonial law. The Ten Commandments are the moral laws of God. Then in Exodus, God gives us the judicial law, which, by the way, is what our judicial system is based on. God is the one that implemented the judicial law, not our courts, not America. God did it. And He said, this is what you do when a person is a thief. This is what you do when a person murders someone. And He implements all sorts of things. He's even the one that implemented the term manslaughter, murder or manslaughter. God did that. That's in the Bible. And I want you, here's what I want you to understand. That the Sabbath, though, is under all three laws. It's under the moral law of God. It's under the judicial law. And it's under the ceremonial law of God. All three of them mention this, that we're to do this. Matter of fact, uh, under the judicial law, not keeping the Sabbath, get this, carried the death penalty. There was a man who was gathering sticks on the Sabbath. Can you imagine doing something so horrible? And they said to God, what do we do? And God said, put him to death. Put him to death. Not keeping the Sabbath is one of the commands that carried a death penalty. By the way, murder carried a death penalty. Some of you didn't know this. It'd be good to know, by the way, which ones carried a death penalty. (laughs) Adultery carried a death penalty. And not honoring your parents carried a death penalty. You know, after the first kid got stoned, the other kids obeyed. (laughs) (laughs) This is a command of God. How many times have we been sick and the doctor prescribed medication is rest? (laughs) What if we had rested before? Maybe we wouldn't have gotten sick. Now, look down down in, in Nehemiah 13. Look at verse 19. We stopped at verse 18 a moment ago. Verse 19. So it was at the gates of Jerusalem, as it began to be dark before the Sabbath, that I commanded the gates to be shut and charged that they must not be opened till after the Sabbath. Then I posted some of my servants at the gates, so that no burdens would be brought in on the Sabbath day. Now the merchants and sellers of all kinds of wares lodged outside Jerusalem once or twice. Then I warned them and said to them, Why do you spend the night around the wall? If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. That was not for prayer. Remember, I I think Nehemiah was a member of a motorcycle gang before he got saved. From that time on, they came no more on the Sabbath. 
He was a tough dude. Matter of fact, let me read you another verse a little farther down in, in verse in chapter 13. But let me read it to you out of the Living Bible. All right, Look at it in the Living Bible. Verse 25. So I confronted these parents and cursed them and punched a few of them, knocked them around and pulled out their hair. I told you he was a member of a motorcycle gang before he got saved. Now here's what I want you to notice though. Nehemiah, remember when we started this series, Nehemiah is a type of the Holy Spirit. There are times when the Holy Spirit speaks very softly to us. There have been times, though, in my life when I needed to be knocked around a little bit and had a little hair pulled out. You ever had the Holy Spirit get strong with you? Well, why? Because it's for our good. So, number one, it's a command. Here's number two. Rest is a blessing. It's a blessing. Now, what I'm about to read from you is this is part of the ceremonial law in Exodus. Let me read this. Exodus 31, verse 14. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Therefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations. Now watch this word as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For, here's the reason again, in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day, he rested, these three words are amazing to me, and was refreshed. Well, first thing, before we talk about God being refreshed, how long is perpetual? (laughs) How long is forever? And, And let me remind you, say, well, this said that it was a perpetual covenant forever between God and the children of Israel. Well, let me again remind you of where we started in this series. We have been grafted in. That's the Bible. Romans 11 says, we've been grafted into the, to this nation now, to the spiritual commonwealth of Israel. And let me say another thing to you. Here's what the Bible also says, you who were not a people are now the people of God. We're now the people of God. So we are now the ones that testify to the world that God created it in six days. So He did this for our good, but He also did it for a witness. Now, it says God was refreshed. Would someone explain that to me theologically? (laughs) How could an omnipotent God be refreshed? Now, let me explain something. It never says he was tired. So you can't go there. Is it possible that if we'll work six days and rest one, we won't get tired? See, it never says he was tired. It just says he was refreshed. And how is he refreshed? You know how we think about the Sabbath or resting one day a week? We think about it in the physical. It refreshes my physical body. Well, it does, but God doesn't have a physical body. He does have a spiritual body, but not a physical body. So how is God refreshed? Is it possible that we're overlooking one of the greatest benefits of the Sabbath, and that is the refreshing in our soul? God has a soul. He has a mind, will, and emotions. We get so tired sometimes in our minds, I wonder if we can think clearly. 
Have you ever felt like that you just couldn't make a decision? You just couldn't think clearly because you're so tired? I wonder how many creative ideas we're missing for our business and for our family because we're just too tired to come up with them. Because we don't rest one day a week. And then think about this. What about emotionally? Have you ever been emotionally exhausted? I'm just emotionally exhausted. Have you ever blown up? Why don't we raise our hands on that one? You ever blown up? You ever lost it? And what is the reason that we give when we're repenting for losing it? I'm just tired. Why don't you give the real reason? I've just been violating the commands of God. I've been rebellious. How many problems would be solved if we followed the principles of the Word of God? To be refreshed, to be refilled, to be refueled, to receive that emotional and physical and mental and spiritual energy that we need. Mark chapter 2, verse 27, he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Can I tell you something, what he's trying to say there? They were talking about violating the traditions of men. And he was saying, listen, you don't understand. You, you've made the Sabbath a, a religious duty. I didn't make man for the Sabbath. I made the Sabbath for man. In other words, the Sabbath is a blessing from God from heaven. The Sabbath is a blessing for us. See, even in Israel today, they've made it a, a religious thing. I was amazed the first time I was in Israel, you know, I got on an elevator. Saturday, by the way, is the Sabbath, not Sunday. Saturday's the seventh day. Sunday, the reason we have church on Sunday is because Jesus rose on Sunday, the first day of the week. So the first time I remember getting in an elevator and uh, pushed the button and it didn't work because it's the Sabbath. And I remember saying, well, the elevator's not working. They said it's the Sabbath. I thought, so it's less work to walk up the stairs to my room than to push the button. See, that it's just now they have one that runs, and they, but you don't push the buttons. It just stops on every floor. God never wanted us to get legalistic about it. He gave it to us as a blessing. It is a blessing to be able to rest. Here's the third thing. Rest is a benefit. It's a benefit. Now, I'm going to show you a little bit from a psalm that I think we've quoted the psalm, and we even say, like we'll say, so-and-so chapter and verse, psalm chapter and verse, and then we quote it, but we don't quote what's in parentheses. And what's in parentheses at the beginning of this psalm is inspired also. This is in the Bible. It's in the Hebrew text. I want you to notice this. Psalm 92, verse 1, starts this way. A song for the Sabbath day. A song for the Sabbath day. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. And to sing praises to your name, O Most High. To declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. He's basically saying, this is the way your Sabbath day should start. Honoring the Lord, singing praises to Him. And then verse 10 says, I have been anointed with fresh oil. I've been anointed with fresh oil. This is David talking. David's already been anointed, but he's talking about the Sabbath day. You know what he says? Because I took a day and rested and gave the day to the Lord and honored the Lord, I've been Anointed with fresh oil. Is it possible that the degree of our anointing is also affected by whether we honor this principle or not? 
Is it possible that if we honored a day a week for the Lord, that we would be more anointed? And we would be fresher, refreshed. Refreshed. God was refreshed. Kind of like refueled. The Lord gave me this illustration a while back because uh, I can't rest on Saturday and Sundays. You may not know this, I work weekends. <laughs> and so another day in the week would be my Sabbath day. But other friends of mine and, and even other staff were working on that day. And so I just felt, even though I would quote unquote be off, I just felt guilty. You know, ought to be doing something. And the Lord gave me this illustration, and I want, I want you to remember this because it will apply to you as well. He said, Robert, your job is that you drive a fuel truck, like an 18-wheeler with the, the big thing that you fill up fuel with. And your job is to go around all the stations and fill up different gas stations with the fuel that you have in your truck. In other words, I have to fill up my family. I have to fill up the elders of the church, the, the staff of the church, the leaders in the church, the church itself. Uh, other pastors, I, 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 my job is to, to give fuel to other people. Now, I want you to think about this because this is your job too. You may have a different function. You may not have the same occupation, but you still have to have fuel for your family. You have to have fuel for your job. You have to have fuel for your friends, your relationships. So it's, this, is all, this is applicable to all of us, okay? But every now and then you've got to go back to the refinery, and you've got to fill your truck up again so you can go back out and fill up all these different stations that I have for you. But when you're back at the refinery, you're just kind of standing there doing nothing during the process of refueling. So here's what you've done. You've decided, I'm just not going to go back to the refinery anymore. I'm just going to keep driving from station to station to station and filling people up because I don't need to waste my time by doing nothing. Are you all following me? And what's going to happen? I'm going to run out of fuel, right? So you can't see it as doing nothing. You have to see it as refueling, refreshing, because it is a benefit from God. God gave this to us to benefit us and to help us. Look on down in Psalm 92, verse 12. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. Verse 14. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Why will a righteous person still be fresh and flourishing and bearing fruit in old age. You want to know why? Because they've rested one day a week their whole lives. Because this is a psalm for the Sabbath day. A psalm for the Sabbath day. Would you like to be fresh and flourishing in old age? All right, let me, here's a better question. Would you like to make it <laughs> to old age? <laughs> You remember the guy that got put to death for, for um, picking up sticks, gathering sticks on the Sabbath? This, this week, I, I said to the Lord, God, why would you kill a guy for picking up sticks? You know what he said? He was dying anyway. <laughs> he was killing himself. He was about to die because he wasn't honoring my Sabbath. He was killing himself. I just put him out of his misery. Let me show you now Isaiah 58. This is a great passage to me on the Sabbath. And I wish you'd read this in your quiet time this week and let the Lord give you some more um, revelation on it. Isaiah 58, verse 13. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure. Notice those words. Doing your pleasure. In other words, doing what you want to do on my holy day. 
And if you'll call the Sabbath a delight, this word in the Hebrew means a luxury. If you'll see it as a luxury from God, a luxury item. If you'll call the holy day of the Lord honorable and honor Him. Now, here's how we honor Him on the Sabbath. Not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. Verse 14. Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord. Is it possible that we're doing our own ways, finding our own pleasure, and speaking our own words on the day we should be doing His pleasure, doing His way, and speaking His words? And is it possible that that's affecting us? Now, verse 14 says, if you'll do this, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord. I want you to think about that phrase and think of it reminds you of another verse in the Bible. It's a real famous verse. If you'll do this, if you'll honor the Sabbath instead of doing your own thing on the Sabbath, instead of doing what you want to do, then you will, listen to the phrase, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. Do you remember another verse that has that phrase in it? Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. I was talking to someone a while back, and she was mad about this verse. And she said to me, I'm delighting myself in the Lord. I thought, it's obvious. (laughs) No, I'm not getting the desires of my heart. Well, according to Isaiah 58, the way you delight yourself in the Lord is you honor the Lord one day a week. You rest one day a week. Is it possible, if you're not getting the desires of your heart, that you're not delighting yourself in the Lord because you're not honoring His Sabbath? Two years ago, I took a sabbatical. And uh, the elders uh, have graciously given all the pastors on staff a four-week sabbatical every five to seven years, depending on responsibility here. And I was so tired and so worn out, so fatigued, that I actually asked to extend it. And so they gave me six-week sabbatical, plus I took two weeks of my vacation along with that, eight weeks. Eight times seven... It's 56 days. I'm in this sabbatical doing nothing. Everyone's running the church around here. I'm just resting. But I can feel that I'm still not rested. I'm still not refreshed. And I don't know what else to do. I'm doing everything I can do, which is trying to do nothing, you know. But I can't get refreshed. And then one morning, I'm reading a book, and I thought, I'm refreshed. I'm refreshed. And here's actually the thought I had. I'm back. I'm back to me, the way I was before I started the church. It had been five years, and it had been very hectic, and all sorts of of, um, uh, services and multiple things, and and different things happened very quickly, and I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know how to rearrange my schedule, but I thought I'm back. Lord, thank you, finally, I'm refreshed. I'm rested. And the Lord said to me, what day is it? What day is it? How many days has it been? And so I counted it up, and it was the 53rd day. It had been 53 days. And the Lord said to me, you owed 52 days. One year of Sabbaths. You owed 52 days. And I remember saying to him in in response, you mean I owed you 52 days? He said, no, no, I didn't say you owed me. You owed you 52 days. 
And then he said this. See, Robert, the Sabbath's not for me. It's for you. You don't owe me 52 days. You owed yourself 52 days. And then he said to me real sweetly, don't do this again. And then he punched me and pulled out some hair. And... <laughs> Is it possible that you owe yourself some rest days? Is it possible if you do it, you'll reap benefits, and if you don't, you're going to reap consequences? Rest is part of his plan for you. He doesn't want you tired. He really does want you to be able to rest. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes.